Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Oh, you can do better than that, right? Merry Christmas. There you go. I hope you're saying that around the community. Uh, the title for today's message is What's Love Got to Do With It? Got to Do With It. And that's why we had that bumper as we get started in that time. But let's pray together as we get started. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Look forward to the things that you will be teaching us and guiding and guarding us with the ways in which you love us and care for us. Thank you, God, for those things. Father, it's in the midst of the chaos in our communities and our country around the world that we need again even more this message of Christmas, of you entering into history, punctuating the challenges and recognizing uh, our, our fallen nature. Father, I pray that today we will hear your word in a way that brings life to us. I pray, Lord, that I will speak clearly and forcefully for you. Father, guide today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It is good to be with you today, and then for those of you who may be joining us online, welcome. We're glad that you're here as well. One week left, right? And so you've got all the shopping done. You're ready to just relax this week, right? Yeah, as I'm driving in today, it truly was over the river, through the woods, and the snow was coming down. I'm going, oh man, it started already. It is that crazy time. You know, I can remember several years ago, when you think in terms of this baby being born and the expectation of Jesus coming into the world. I, I remember our firstborn was born in January, the early part of January. So we're going through this whole Christmas season waiting for that. Every time that Nancy would go to the doctor, he would say to her, you know, I, it could be this week. That started the 1st of December. How many of you remember that, that last month or that last six weeks? The doc say, oh yeah, I probably won't see you back in the office again or whatever else that was going on. That great expectation of a baby being born. You know, my question for you today is, what's your favorite biblical account of the Christmas story? A couple of weeks ago, I asked that question on my Facebook account. I got 22 answers and five likes. I'm going, five, why would you like my question? That's just strange whenever you do that. But the responses were from Isaiah's prophecy in the Old Testament to the announcement to Mary and Joseph but the majority landed on Luke chapter 2, and that's where we're going to start today, Luke chapter 2. By far, we remember the journey to Bethlehem, the visit of the angels to the shepherds, and then the shepherds trekking to the manger. It is just that, that amazing and exciting and warm story ending with Mary treasuring everything that has happened in her heart you know what, what I recognize in the midst of that story is the fact that the only ones who were really anticipating Jesus' birth was Mary and Joseph. And maybe, 
Maybe the angels, because later on in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, it says the angels continued to peer into this story of what God was doing with his creation. Those are the only ones really anticipating this. We would think Christmas, man, the way it goes in our culture that people would be waiting for weeks and weeks and weeks for this baby to be born, but that wasn't true in that time. Let's stand together. We're going to read this passage of scripture based upon the video that you're about to see. Let's stand together and, and read it as you hear it read. Days, as we go, that's this. All the world should be taxed. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while he was there, time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You may be seated. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you're out in the middle of a, of a field and it's dark and there's no real expectation of something happening and suddenly the angels appear? That, that's the reason why they say right off the bat, fear not. Because I, I can tell you this, at least in my, my experience, whenever it's dark and I'm outside and I hear the slightest noise, what happens? Pulse quickens, right? You can feel the sweat a little bit in your, in your brow. You, you, you recognize the little bit of fear that kind of comes out. I don't care who you are and how strong you are. That begins to happen. And they say, do not fear. So what would be your favorite biblical Christmas story? You know, stories are great. But I want to get behind this story and ask this question, why? 
Why would Jesus go through this? Why would it happen in such a way that no one else is expecting this day, even though they knew the prophecies, even though they knew that there would be a time when the Messiah would come, even though they knew Bethlehem was the middle of the story, no one is expecting the birth of the Messiah. Why would Jesus go through this? Because of love. Because of love. Isn't it interesting, though, some of the Christmas stories that we have and the language that we use, those of us who grew up in the church know many of those words, but I can remember as a kid, we sang a couple of them today. One of them is, we bring him laud. Laud? I, I thought that when, we, when I was singing it as a kid, it was bring him lard. Right, right. I mean, some of you are pie bakers. You know that. Uh, my grandmother fried everything in lard. My mom fried most things in lard. And uh, that's what I thought. We're bringing him lard. Then I thought about, wait a minute. I don't think Jews had anything to do with pigs. And so that was a challenge. The other one was his divinity is uh, revealed. And I thought that was candy. Right? I mean, some of you know about divinity, and I'm going, what? What? His divinity? His candy is revealed? You've got to remember, I'm a five, six-year-old kid singing these kinds of songs. And so when we talk about this story, sometimes it's very confusing to people who have not been a part of the church. And one of the things that we are designed to do is to be able to translate those words for people to understand. That's what God has in store for us. The title of today's message is from a song in the 80s. Yep. The 1900s, the last century. I had a guy stand up and say that the other day. Wait a minute. Yeah, I was born in the last century, but that sounds so old. Well, this song, maybe you remember it. It was by Tina Turner. Some of you are sitting there thinking already, this, you have two questions in mind. Number one is, why would he bring up Tina Turner at Christmas? And most of you, though, are going, who's Tina Turner? Tina Turner, well, you know that song. Here's, here's just a couple of lines from it. Oh, what's, got, what's love got to do with it, got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do, got to do with it? Well, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but an old, sweet old-fashioned notion? What's love got to do, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? I mean, there's that conversation over and over again. And you can think of other love songs that we can sing, and, and most of them speak about that emotion. But here's the point for today. Genuine love transforms what we believe into how we live. Would you say that with me? Genuine love transforms what we believe into how we live. Can I take you a few books deeper into the New Testament and show you a passage of Scripture that shouts this message? This passage is another way to tell the story, and it's in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. It says very simply this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but instead, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Did you hear it? Did you see it? 
it says that Jesus made himself nothing. You know, when we think about nothing, we think about defenseless. We think about unable to care for self. When, when we think about nothing, doesn't that describe a child, a baby? I was reminded of that in vivid and wrenching terms tragically about 10 years ago, and some of you may remember 10 years ago. God, just to see how vulnerable little children were, God started when I was leading a team in India that year, and, and we were with the kids, and we saw just the challenges that Indian children had in being fed and cared for. And then, that was, that was way over there, though. And then, then I took a trip to Ecuador and spent some time with Compassion International, which is focused in on children around the world, and, but, but that's down there. And, and then I told a little bit of this story last week, the, December 7th and 8th, my daughter's loss of her firstborn as a stillborn. I mean, that, that was in my family. And then just a few weeks after that, you remember the awful news of Sandy Hook, of the children killed there. But that's right around us. How vulnerable children are. They really are in the scheme of things and strength, nothing. Jesus willingly gave up the glory of heaven to be born into a sin-scarred world. That glorious night in Bethlehem, every day of his life and in the deadly pain of the cross, Jesus became poor on our behalf for our sake. He entered our poverty so that we could no longer be poor. The priceless gift of this restored relationship with God and others is now offered to those who can't afford it, who can't even pay for it. You see, we're paupers when we stand before a glory-filled, sinless God. And the outrageous wealth of his righteousness is now credited to us who don't deserve it. To those of us who are poor, this is very good news. And that's why that story says in Luke chapter 2, this is good news, good news, good news, that God willingly chose to come as a baby, as a child, as a defenseless, vulnerable one into the midst of chaos for me. And for you. So when we look around the chaos that we see around us, we realize God's not surprised by that. He knows that's what happens in a sin-scarred world. And yet he reaches down into our lives. Why? Well, in Luke chapter 2, the story is about the baby's effect in the narrative. His birth drew Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Yes, I, I know it's the prophecy that they would fulfill, but it's still Bethlehem, which is miles from Nazareth. And you know the challenge that, that you have in that last month of pregnancy and, and the restrictions on travel that takes place even today. And off they go. His birth drew the angels from heaven to announce his birth. They appeared. 
And his birth drew the shepherds from the surrounding fields to his manger. And his birth today draws us to celebrate his coming and draws us to the foot of his cross and draws us into the life that we can have with Jesus. But there's an important question that needs to be asked. What drew Jesus to earth? Why did he come? Why would he come into such a humble and messy environment when he's king of the universe? Lord of lords. How could he even think of coming in such a way? I mean, goodness. We've seen the, the, the latest bout of royalty, if I can put it that way, uh, when we saw the death of the Queen of England and the, and the investiture of, of Charles and soon to be that, that whole uh, pageantry that will come. And yet God said, into a manger where no one knows you're coming and no one's anticipating your birth, but then I will change it all. Well, Philippians tells us how he came. In that same second chapter, when we begin the verse one and following, we see some things. We see that he came as nothing special. He came as a servant. He came as a human. He came humble. And he came as one obedient. You know, all those things you don't think of as someone who's going to reign, as someone who's going to be over all things, as someone that the Bible says later on, God says, I'm going to put everything under your feet. And why did, what did God do then after he came? He raised him up. He gave him a name above all names so that when we sing the name of Jesus, when we speak the name of Jesus, there is something powerful about that. And as a result, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, either now or when he comes again. And oh, dear church, I pray that we bow before him now so that we do not have to bow before him in judgment when he comes again. Why did he come? Because of love. Love for the Father. Love for me. Love for you. You see, Jesus built this bridge of love from heaven to the manger. From the manger to mankind. And from mankind to the cross. And from the cross to you and to me. To our deepest need that's why that first song that we sang today, whenever you bring all the things that you have, Jesus says, bring them, bring them. I want to take care of them. Bring them, bring them. And now we are to be bridge builders from Jesus and what he's done in our lives to others. How do I know this? Well, here's what Philippians chapter two begins with. It begins with love. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any co common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Be united with Jesus, he says, 
and then love, and then love. Have the same mind, have the same actions as Jesus. Build bridges. Those actions, value others above yourselves and look out for the interests of others. Serve them as Christ served you. See, that's the amazing thing about this transformation that takes place in our lives because of this baby who comes and goes to a cross. It was all about us until we said yes. And then it becomes all about others. Yeah, I've got to grow. I've got to become more like him. I'm transformed by his Holy Spirit. But the reason for that is so that I can reach other people. It's not just for my benefit. See, one of the things that happens to us as Christians at times is that we think it's still got to be poured into my life when he's saying, hey, hey, you have that living water already in you. You need to be sharing it with others in a way in which it even hurts because I was willing to stretch out my arms on your behalf, are you willing to stretch out your arms on behalf of our community, our country, our area? When we love someone deeply, we serve with glad hearts. The greatest, most sustainable motivation for ministry must be love. We must serve because we love God and love others. Without love, we won't be able to have sustained impetus, strength, and energy over the long haul. It's because of what God's done in us that we reciprocate with love. Love is our bridge to others. And love is not some sappy chestnut roasting on an open fire white Christmas nostalgia. That's not love. It is a robust, let me Adam kind of action. That's what love is. Love is not God going, oh man, I really like those people down there. We're just going to show up and we'll do nice things. And No, it was, we've got to go right into the hornet's nest and we have to defeat Satan and we have to redeem and buy them back. That's the same kind of love church that we have to have for our community. Genuine love then monitors our hearts and checks our motives our motives are never about what, the, what we benefit from. Our motive is about how do we lift him high? How do we say to people, don't be afraid, trust him. It governs our actions and prunes what's hollow. It transforms what we believe and holds us firmly accountable to live what we believe. That's why our key sentence again is, Genuine love transforms what we believe into how we live. Would you say that with me again? Genuine love transforms what we believe into how we live. Man, I hope that you believe it, that you will take that challenge today, that you say what I believe transforms what I believe into how I live, and that I'm going to be different when I walk from this place today. Wow, a church that would live out the words of Paul, that we would experience Love in a tangible way. Church, we want rising sun, the whole area to see how different we are because the sun came, the sun died, and the sun arose. We have power and strength, not for our benefit, but for his glory. Take a look at this.
So the question, church, is how do you see yourself as a gift to this community? Because before you received the gift of Jesus in your life, it was about you. But now that you've received that gift, it is about giving it away. In a decidedly cynical world where far too many people have heard far too many empty words, the way we love others makes a difference. Whether the others live in a third world or the third house down the street, genuine love transforms what we believe into how we live. Reggie McNeil reminds us when he says this, God is the one doing the heavy lifting. You see, he's already done the work for us. He's already brought us into the presence of God. He's already given us that forgiveness gift. Through his trustworthy spirit, God is sending us into a broken but beautiful world on which he will never give up. When we show up and love in the name of Jesus, God shows up. That's, that's part of the mystery of partnering with Jesus in the work he's still doing. A note from one of my acquaintances read this way. He wrote, when you asked Jesus into your life, you invested in me. When you answered yes to the call, you invested in me. When you decided to be loyal to your spouse, you invested in me. When you let God make victories out of your defeats, you invested in me. When you refused to compromise, you invested in me. For all the me's in the church around the world, thank you for continuing to give your life. Please don't stop. You're showing each of us how to do the same. Many years ago, the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, this is about the birth of a child. Not the astonishing work of a strong man, not the bold discovery of a wise man, not the pious work of a saint. It really is beyond all our understanding. The birth of a child shall bring about great change, shall bring to all mankind salvation and deliverance. This one act entering into our history changes all of history. And then when he's raised on a cross, dies on our behalf, and raises again, he changes you and he changes me. Because genuine love transforms what we believe into how we live. So what is God up to in your life this Christmas? What will be different because he is present in your life? Can I ask you to live this out? That's part of what that video was intended to, to say. What are those little things you can be doing in community that will make a difference for people's lives? For some of you, it may be you need to begin to walk with Jesus. And I'll be right up here at the end of this service and would be glad to talk to you about making that next step with Jesus. Check with someone else out at the hub or ask somebody about this relationship because it will change your life. Second thing is, is there someone that God's tugging, tugging at your heart to do something special for this week? Excuse me, just a moment. Yep, still got it. Just like the rest of us, right? When God tugs at your heart, do it. One of the great things that we have in this time where we live is this little thing called a cell phone that you can send text messages and voicemails. 
Man, when I was a kid growing up, the only way that you really got in touch with somebody is either drop them a card and hope it got there through the mail, although my dad was the letter carrier in our community, so I knew every mail, piece of mail that I sent around was going to get to the right place. Or you called them on the phone, and, and I, am a, I am a child of party lines. How many of you grew up with party lines? Yeah, so six people knew what I was calling somebody about whenever that happened. But now you can drop a text. I did that this morning. Two of, my, two of my very dear friends, one lost his dad this week, and the other one has lost both a brother and a sister in the last three weeks. And I sent him a text this morning. He said, praying for you. I have a dear friend in the hospital in Marion, Indiana. Text to her this morning. If God puts somebody on your heart, respond. Pray for our church family to show our community that Christmas has changed our lives and that through us, the world... We have special services coming up. Join in. Become a part. And then finally, next week, be here as we come together so that we can go into our community. We just have one service, but it'll be a time of reflection and excitement, and then go. Because genuine love transforms what we believe into how we live, right? You ready to take that pledge? Come on, raise your hands. You guys will do this, okay? Yeah. It's going to affect how I live. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for the way in which you work in our lives, even when we're unaware of it. Thank you for transformation, for changing us. Because, Lord, we really know that genuine love transforms what we believe into how we live. So this week, help us to live in a way that brings glory and honor to you, lifts high Jesus, so that all men might be drawn to him. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.